You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 271st edition of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, I think that's actually it's our 272nd and our 880th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of December 1st, 2022, uh, right after a huge win by your Indiana Hoosiers. I'm uh, your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. This week's banner moment occurred last night in Assembly Hall when the Indiana Hoosiers defeated North Carolina 77-65 with a suffocating defensive effort. Whether it was the block party at the rim or the extreme ball pressure by the perimeters, Indiana was locked in defensively. That makes this old coach a happy man and made a lot of Hoosier fans happy as well. North Carolina made a couple of runs throughout the game, but the cumulative effect of multiple Indiana defenders in the grill of each and every Carolina player was immense. The outcome of the game was greater than the final score. Indiana dominated this game on the defensive end. Now, the fouling needs to be adjusted some and maybe a few too many offensive rebounds, but this team flat out guards people. What does that mean? This team will compete in every game, will create havoc on every opponent, and will be able to overcome droughts in offense throughout the season. Jared asked a question in the community about trusting Indiana basketball. Well, this team can be trusted to play defense every night because Coach Woodson demands attention to it on a daily basis. Defense wins championships. I do trust this team, knowing that there will be off nights for sure over a 31-game schedule. However, teams that lock in on the defensive end can and will bounce back quickly from those moments. Hey, Big Ten, Indiana's about to guard you for 40 freaking minutes. You ready? We'll see. Okay, now let me introduce my co-host for the week. There's some of the regular crew spoke last night on the game, and so we brought on uh, the two coaches for tonight's Assembly Call Radio. It's the Steven Spielberg of Indiana Basketball Film, uh, a Southport legend. It's Coach Tony Adrania. Tony, what's on your mind after last night's awesome victory? Hey, Coach, I'm super happy to be here. Um, super happy to be here, especially after a win. Um, you know, it's always nice when – when Jared shoots a text on a Monday or Tuesday, asking if I can come on, and then IU gets the W before, it's always always easier to talk about after a win. But super excited, you know. You, you mentioned it um, at the top there. Indiana's going to guard you for forty minutes. That was my main takeaway and my main tweet after yesterday's game was relentless effort for forty minutes. It's all you can ask for as a coach and as a fan of this Indiana basketball program. And you know, just just super pumped up about the product that was on the floor last night. Yeah, it just was a, a night. I was fortunate to be able to be in the building. It just a, a lot of energy uh, in in, and it it started with defense and it ended with defense. Uh, 
Um, and so here's what we're going to talk about this week uh, here on Assembly Call Radio. Segment one is just our general impressions of IU's win and the importance of getting that win last night. Segment two, Coach and I are going to break things down, X's and O's. It's just a coaching session, so join it. Stick with us for, for that. And then we'll answer your questions in the mailbag in Section 3. All of that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many more. The bottom line is that Homefield has something for fans and grads of pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for each of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. What could be better than that? I know I've bought some for Christmas. There's some good codes out there. Uh, go buy, whether it's an assembly call shirt, Indiana, or another college. I collect them all, have way too many. I don't think you can have way too many. But anyway, go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code HOME for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, so let's just go back to, uh, Coach, the importance of of last night. It's a program that has struggled for years. We bring back a former player. Uh, things started to go in the right direction last year with a, a great Big Ten tournament run and an entry into the NCAA tournament. And then a lot of questions on how everything was going to play out this year. So then they they go on the road and beat Xavier, and then they come home and beat former number one, North Carolina. How big of a win, in your opinion, was last night's victory? Well, again, I'm just joking. That was a, a, Mike, <laughs> a Mike Woodson joke there. Uh, it, you know, it's important. Um, you know, what I thought was neat was it was a very important win because for all the things you just mentioned above, you know, in, in terms of – you know, was IU kind of pretenders or contenders and, and kind of how they ended the season last year and coming into this year with hype. And what I what I enjoyed is that any way you slice it, it was a big win. But when you ask the team that question and you asked Mike Woodson and Trace Jackson Davis, their answers were, you know, Mike Woodson's was, it's not a statement win, it's our schedule. Trace Jackson Davis was, good win, we need to go win at the rack at Rutgers now on Saturday. Like, I think that shows a level of maturity for this team um, you know, as fans, we're allowed to be fans. We're fanatics. We, you know, right. we <laughs> we get fired up about everything. Um, but for them, I love that, you know, they're not allowing themselves to get too high or too low. And that's going to be crucial throughout the grind of the Big Ten season. Because right now, we're riding the highest fans. And, and you know, obviously, they're, they're excited about their win against North Carolina and their record of late. But they're going to hit some dips this season. It's it's inevitable. They'll, they'll lose a couple in a row or, or, some you know, something may happen where they're not going to be riding this high. But I think that they're, they're so even-keeled and locked in right now um, where when they hit those those valleys that it's not going to just decrescendo into just something that's madness. And, you know, some of those long losing streaks we saw in, you know, February's of past. And that, to me, is, is so important when you're going through the grind of the Big Ten season. So, you know, a, as a fan and, and as a program, I'm super excited about the win last night because I do think it was important. Um, but I also enjoyed 
the answers that we got from the team about how they're staying even keeled after a big win like that. We, we've talked about uh, on a variety of shows the narrative of initially this was going to be an upset opportunity as the number one team was coming in, and then they got knocked off and the narrative switched to where we just needed to take care of business. And, and boy, this team, we've talked a lot about being focused. They were locked in. They were connected uh, offensively and defensively. And that's how you win these big games. And it is just vitally important to stack these wins. And then add to your comments, uh, the players, uh, X tweets out uh, the Field of 68 clip where Geo Baker says no one's afraid of Indiana. You know, they enjoyed that win last night, but now they're focusing again, you know, on on the next opponent. And, and I'm not a big fan of blackboard material. Uh, I think you can only use it so often. But this might be a time where the rack, Jersey Mike's, has been a tough place for – Indiana to go and play and you got a former player talking trash about no one's afraid of Indiana now might be that one two times a year that that you use it but it seems to me to back up what you said uh they they've they've ex- were excited about last night but now they're going to be focused here uh on on getting on a plane flying to New Jersey and, and trying to get the first Big Ten win because their goals are to win championships and I I just feel really good uh, as a fan and, and as someone who supports the team for how serious uh, I'm a big warm-up guy and I say it way too much on the show but I go down there two hours early and I just sit and watch how they work and they're very serious about their work yes they have their beats headphones in and all that kind of stuff but it seems to be a lot more focused uh, and connected and you're right that's how you're going to weather uh, storms of adversity within games and within the season, which is a grind, and try to eliminate some of those those long, um, you know, droughts. But, man, the atmosphere, uh, Tony, was just great. It, it, I was telling you before we got on, it was hard for me not to cheer on media because we're supposed to be neutral. Uh, but it was so good to see the, the student section just packed, everyone in white standing up early. The marching band was out right before the, the start to, to get people pumped up. That's Indiana basketball. Um, how did that play across uh, the television uh, from your vantage point? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, you know, you could feel the buzz and the energy exuding, you know, even on social media. Like you could tell just the, the buzz and the energy based on, you know, people camped out the night before and stuff. And then um, I was a little disappointed that I was hoping to get a little bit more of the pregame coverage and stuff, but because of the, Duke Ohio State game ran over we actually ended up on ESPN News to start the game so we didn't get to see like the lead-in and and the warm-up you know like the the lineups and stuff like that because I I can just imagine the electricity and assembly call from just being there for big games in the past but you could still absolutely feel it um through the TV as well when when things got going especially you know after Trey got those those two breakaways in a row like I just knew that like Assembly Hall is absolutely rocking right now. And I think I even tweeted something out at that point. Like, there's eight big-time recruits at this game right now. I don't know that this sound in Assembly Hall leaves their ears for quite some time. Like, it's one of those, like, moments where, like, wow, this place is pretty special right now. Yeah, and I forgot to tell you, X retweeted your tweet about the field of 68. So <laughs> he's following you, so you got to make sure you're always positive with X. But let's let's piggyback on Assembly Hall because we had a game right before we came on uh, uh, how great the fans are and the environment at Assembly Hall with, with our incredible women's team uh, winning a big game against number six, North Carolina, in dominating fashion, Coach, without Grace Berger, whose uh, injury uh, seems to be not as – 
a, not career ending, it would be career ending, season ending, that like, she has a chance to come back, which is great news, but she'll be out for a while. But without a, a just a superstar, uh, you go in and win uh, in dominating fashion in that assembly hall. So not only is it electric for the men's program, but it's also uh, becoming a home court advantage uh, for the women. Did you have a chance to watch any of that? I, I watched most of it while I was preparing for the show and listened into uh, our crew that on doing the work who does a good job. They did their post game show right before us. Uh, man, that's a fun team. They shot the crap out of the basketball tonight. <laughs> if, an IU, if an IU men's team shot like that, I think Twitter would catch fire. Like yeah, those they can shoot. Those women can absolutely shoot the basketball. They play their absolute tails off. Again, you know, defensive effort. I mean, they they won that game and it was never in doubt from the tip um, against the Tar Heels. And so yeah, I was with you. I'm the same as you. Preparing for this, I was watching the game, had it on here. Um, you know, they're just they're so fun to watch as well. And they just they gel so well together. They click. You can tell they have fun out there. Like. All the things that you want in your basketball team, both the men's and the women's program have that right now. And that, I mean, what better time to be a Hoosier basketball fan than right now? They guard. They they run some good stuff. You know, we're going to talk about spacing in segment two. I thought the spacing in the women's game was just fantastic. I love that little backdoor give and go. And then when the tag came in, the one play I remember is the kick out uh, to Sydney Parrish, who, who did a nice job of spotting up to the open spot. Uh, hitting that shot. I mean, they are just. If you're if you're able to go see a game, man, put that put that on uh, your list uh, for this season because uh, I think both teams are special. Um, but man, that was a fun. Have the opportunities to, to do special things. That's what's a, awesome. Ab, a, absolutely. So, um, okay, uh, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we're going to uh, do a deep dive into the X's and O's from last night's win. So stick with us. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. All right, we'd like to welcome Ethan Happ then to listen to the show since Ryan is not with us tonight. But I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm with Coach Adrania, and it's time for Coach's Corner. Um, and it's a lot of fun breaking down film when you win because Coach and I, you and I have both 
had a lot of uh, breakdown of film when our teams have lost, and it's a necessary job to do. But it's always a lot more fun after after a, a big uh, victory. So um, our main segment tonight is brought to you uh, by our new sponsor, True Blood Real Estate. Jim True Blood is a longtime friend of Jared's and the founder of owner of True Blood Real Estate, where he's been helping people in Indiana buy and sell property since 2006. And starting this season, True Blood Real Estate is the exclusive and official real estate partner of IU Athletics with a team of talented agents to serve you in Bloomington and throughout Indiana. So if you're looking to buy or sell a state in Indiana, you need to experience the True Blood advantage. Go to trueblood.com, that's T-R-U-E-B-L-O-O-D-R-E.com to learn more. That's trueblood.com, and tell them the assembly call sent you. So, Tony, um, we're going to start out on defense because, man, that's, that's what won the game last night, and, and that's what we're all kind of happy about uh, right now. I thought uh, – the overall, from the start to the finish, defense was just absolutely intense and took North Carolina out of, of a lot of uh, things. And, and you mentioned the switching aspect uh, predominantly that you wanted to start talking about. So we'll turn it over to you to talk about how you thought that worked and, and why it was effective last night in defending North Carolina. Yeah, and it it really dates back to the, the Xavier game is when I first noticed IU doing this. And, and essentially – it's called a Chicago action because uh, the Bulls used to run it with Derrick Rose a lot. But basically, a, a player's coming off of a pin-down screen, and then it's directly into a dribble handoff. So it's basically like a double ball screen almost for the guy getting the ball. And it's really hard to guard because you have basically three guys you got to account for in terms of who's rolling, who's popping, the ball handler attacking downhill. And IU has done a tremendous job, and they started it in the Xavier game, and then they did it last night as well. When they're guarding that action, they're essentially they're going to switch the guy that hands it off. They're going to switch his defender onto the ball, and then they're going to have a big take the big that's rolling to the basket, and a guard's going to stay with the guy that pops. And teams are Xavier and North Carolina have both just struggled with Indiana doing that because nobody else has done it to them. I'm, I'm fairly certain. And usually, when teams run that Chicago action, somebody's going to end up open because there's either miscommunication or they're trailing from behind, so then you know the, the uh, ball handler can put somebody on their hip and get to the rim. And North Carolina, really, they had no answer because Indiana was just switching a guy to the ball handler, and then the, the big had another big on him rolling to the basket, so there wasn't anything there. And the guy popping had a guy taking away the pop. And so really all they could try to do was isolate our big um, that had switched onto the ball, but they took so many bad shots that it didn't really matter. So... It's just something that it's a minor detail, and it's something you got to pick up in the scout, and then you got to drill it. Like it's not like Indiana just goes out there and they execute this um, because they talked about it in film earlier that day. Like it's something that coaches have picked up on film days in advance. They drill it, they talk through it, they show it on film to the team. The team goes out there, and then they execute it to an absolute T. And you know that's what I want to articulate is is how the little details of things like that are so important and the little things go such a long way and turn into something so big in, in which ends up last night, you know, being a tremendous defensive effort. Like those are things that happen days in advance. It didn't just happen overnight that a, a, a switch fl flipped and Indiana got good at defense. Like these are little drills that they're being disciplined in. And then it turned into, you know, what we see last night. You have to rep it out. And that comes from your scouting, whoever had to scout, 
decided that was a way that they wanted to attack that particular offensive uh, part of North Carolina. And then you have to break it down into drills, and then you got to break it down into live action. And we always broke down special things in shell, you know, three-on-three, four-on-four, and just repped it, repped it, repped it. But the thing in a college game is you've got to do that with some intensity because of the number of practices in between games. Uh, you don't Absolutely. have a whole week like we had in, in, in high school. Let me ask you this because the question was they ran I – I understand that Chicago is a, is a handoff into a ball screen, basically, on a side. Mm-hmm. But they ran some staggered double handoffs, yep. too, where IU guarded it a little differently. They kind of chased that, didn't they? they and did. then had the big drop, and that's where you saw a lot of the floating runners that they hit one or two, but a lot of contested twos at the rim off of a, a staggered screen as two screeners – uh, for off the ball on a guy coming off the corner, and then that guy off the corner gets a handoff, usually from a big. And it's hard for your big defender to switch on to a guard if you wanted to switch. Indiana didn't switch that double stagger ball screen Chicago-type action, correct? Correct. They did not. And, yeah, they yeah. so they were, like you said, they were trailing that ball handler, and then they were winning basically a drop coverage off of the ball screen there. And – I it's at, we're actually kind of teasing my film room in the community because I, I think I clipped six of those uh, clips when Indiana did that, and, and I think North Carolina only converted one of them. And basically, I think Indiana knew they could run that coverage because they knew that North Carolina's guards were not going to give that ball up to the big. You, you'll right. see in the film room that they had opportunities to hit guys. Like, Indiana's, Indiana's coverage was dependent upon – what they thought North Carolina was going to do with the ball, and North Carolina played right into their hands. They shot. Were they tagging at all off they the were, strong side wing as that they ball were, was but coming it was, off? It was, it was like a hand on the tackle. Right. It wasn't on, a full. Correct. Um, and and so they had opportunities, and even when the tag guy would get lower and would try to take that, they had the opposite corner, and I think Kayla Love only hit that opposite corner once. Instead, right. they were shooting these tough runners over Trace Jackson Davis. I think Trace got two different blocks on him. I think Race got a block on that exact action. Um, yeah, I mean, and that, that was North Carolina's kind of bread and butter action that they were getting great looks off of. And, you know, time after time, they shot tough runners over Trace Jackson Davis or Race Thompson. And, and like I said, I think they were like one for six on him or something like that. Heavy ball screen in the middle. Heavy Chicago action. They went to that staggered double. A lot of ball screen handoff stuffs. I thought their most effective stuff was what I call the the rip screen or the diagonal screen for Nance to get into the post. Uh, they scored uh, on that two or three times. But I, I'm interested. I love, uh, and this is something I gained from our head coach at Western, uh, Mike Lewis, that we really wanted teams to take tough twos. And sometimes when you watch and that guy turns the corner at the top and he drives down the lane – you want to say, why are you letting a guy drive? Keep him out of the lane. But sometimes that's by design. When you have good rim protection, which you do in race uh, and TJD, and those guards want to score. That's a great part of scouting, too, that you brought up, that, that to give credit to the whole coaching staff. Like, those guys want shots. What did Caleb Love took 37 shots in the four overtime? Like, he doesn't want to pass the ball. And that's part of the problem. So you take advantage of that as a coaching staff and set your defense for that. And that double handoff, it's a little different. To You can't triple switch that because there's four people involved. Right. Um, you could switch it and have the big come out in high hedge, but then you got Baycott or someone rolling off that handoff, which could be dangerous. You had Nance popping. but um, So there's two different actions, one on the side with Chicago handoff ball screen, one with a staggered double, and the team had to know how to guard it differently. 
But sometimes we as fans get frustrated when that little floater hook shot by a guard goes in. But that's by design because, as you said, of six times, maybe they scored only once. You play the statistics. And as coaches, we got to choose to give up something. You're not yep. going to prevent everything. So you want to take away the three with some teams. You want to double the post in other teams. Well, this one is you got selfish guards on that other side. Put them in a position where they think they're open. We're going to throw the size at them. And, and and make it difficult, uh, and and so that's that's something great to watch. I'm looking forward to your film room, which you, you just do a great job on, on that. So my topic defensively was the ball pressure. Um, the the offense was started deeper. Um, you know, comment in in the chat. Everything was uncomfortable. Like Caleb Love, Davis were uncomfortable bringing the ball up on every catch. Um, the segment that we talked about, the banner moment that Jared had yesterday, you brought up earlier today about the two turnovers. You know, X was able to deflect the ball uh, with appropriate ball pressure and kick out for Galloway for a layup. And then Geronimo's right there on a catch when Nance has to catch it in the deep corner, which is a horrible spot to have it. Then gets – how many times we had hands on the ball, but he knocks the ball loose, dives, and that was a key moment because that gave separation where they were never able – I think they got it back to within five maybe – at one point or a couple of points, but they never got it closer to that after those two great hustle plays. But the pressure pushes the offense out, and it takes time off the clock, and then teams got to rush. Uh, you're never going to hold a team to you know no points because teams are going to hit shots. And in fact, their first two threes were so well guarded and deep. But I, I was just I, I love the way X and Jalen and Trey can put pressure on the ball, and even Tamar and. Miller, who struggles sometimes guarding the bounce, were, were there trying the best they can. But that's going to give a lot of teams uh, trouble because you can't run your offense. And maybe in the second half, you start getting tired of that. Like, I don't care how good you are. Man, that wears on you. And I think the cumulative effect, I said, I've said that word, you know, that's a drink word now for anyone. <laughs> Tony says cumulative effect, uh, take a drink. But you wear people out uh, with that kind of pressure. And that's sometimes where stats don't show up. I think X and, and Hood Shafino of uh, ball pressure. Your thoughts? Yeah. And, and, you know, when you have an All American big and Baycott in the post, that ball pressure makes it incredibly difficult to feed him down there. You know, it's what we saw last year when IU played Purdue, is they tried to make those catches as far out on the wings as possible. And then it was immediate ball pressure as soon as they catch because that makes a post entry really hard. And you look at the flip side of it, North Carolina let Indiana do whatever they wanted offensively, and Trace Jackson Davis got numerous clean looks on the block because of that. Um, and so, yeah, just the ball pressure is so, so important. And Indiana has two in incredibly gifted uh, in Jalen Huchifino and Xavier Johnson guys that are able to put heavy ball pressure without fouling and without getting beat. And that, those are two incredibly important things because if you if you just put a bunch of ball pressure and you're fouling the mess out of guys and you got to go sit on the bench for half the game anyway, it, it kind of defeats a purpose. But if you can you move your feet, play without your hands, move your hips in there, which both of them did an excellent job. And you know, and these are in, in Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. These aren't like two slouch guards. These are no. two guys that led their team to the national championship last season. And so that pretty awesome to see. And the following situation, I felt better after watching it again today. When you're at the game and the crowd's all mad and yelling, ref, you suck, and all that kind of stuff, you know, every call seems bad. Uh, sometimes the most aggressive uh, ball pressure team will get fouls. 
Um, and, and that's an area of concern. I, I think you got to play that level of defense and try not to foul or know when to back off a little bit. When you have a 10-point, 11-point lead, one of the quickest ways to let a team back in is to foul and, and stop the clock. So that that's a point where you can get into film and, and teach that. But now, now I want to ask you, Sometimes with that drop coverage and, and, and the rim protection and wanting to go hunt blocks, um, Indiana got outscored on second chance points 14 to six. Indiana won the rebounding 40 to 39, but but I, I'm always concerned with this team with rebounding. I think the guards are doing a good job. I look at those numbers all the time and share it on post games. Thought guards had good rebounds, but they got um, we had trouble securing and ending a defensive possession at times, even as good as we are. And so I have here, if you could explain the importance of that crackdown blockout when a big comes off his man in drop coverage on the ball screen or from block help um, to, to fly and try to block a shot. It leaves his man unblocked out, the crackdown blockout, which is so, so important on those contested twos. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's essentially the help the helper um, mentality. You know, when, when the big comes up to, to help in – you know, may not even be trying to block the shot, but comes to help backside defenders got to drop to take away the dump off. Well, it's the same thing on the rebound. When, when Trace Jackson Davis go flying in the air, his man's left uncovered, you know, and, and, and maybe that's in a Baycott. And there, there is a clip. I think of Trey Galloway did an excellent job on the, the crackdown block on Baycott when Trace, uh, and that's actually a great point. I should probably clip that one just to kind of explain what we're talking about here, because yeah, it, it's so vital um, to getting out and going, um, you know, in your offense, and obviously vital to not let the other team score on putbacks. Um, you know, it, it is a, it is a hair concerning when you rely so much on funneling everything towards rim protection, um, because you you do run the risk of giving up offensive rebounds. Um, you know, and then when you're playing somebody like Baycott, he's a monster um, down there. It makes it it compounds that a bit. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, you know that that crackdown block is just it's vital to everything you want to do to get out and go on the opposite end. Yeah, and that's something you got to drill and drill and drill. And I think Indiana's working on that and getting there. Like I say, I think the guards are tr- going to rebound. But that's just something to watch um, going forward and that I would uh, work with the team on uh, as you face some of these bigs and you want TJD to go try to get blocks. You know, go get them because that just changes the mentality of, of the game too and that wears on people too And you got that – big dude jumping up and swatting stuff um so let's move to offense because you need offense you need to score points and and I thought the team was so amped up coach early on they were a little bit out of sorts with some of the shot selection a little loose with the handle they only had eight turnovers overall but I thought the first six minutes uh I I saw in our discord and other places slow down I heard people uh in in the student section uh, yelling to slow down and that that is just because the atmosphere was great and, and they were really excited. And then once they got into the flow of the game, I thought offensively uh, they, they did some some nice things. But you mentioned something about how TJD was fantastic in the post. And he's got so many reads of when to kick it out, where the double's coming from, when to go baseline, when to do a little Sigma face-up move. And um, I thought he had a strong game. You did too in, in reading his post moves. But explain to our listeners how that's difficult to do and how we got a high-talented post player right now that's really playing a lot better than he ever has. Yeah, and the, the main thing is is you know you obviously only have thirty seconds to to get a shot off, and you know you're going to bring the ball down the floor. But basically, when Trace Jackson Davis catches the ball, usually there's somewhere between 15, 20 seconds left on the shot clock, so it's got to be quick reads. And then teams they're going to try to do things to confuse them. You know, it's just like 
coverages in football on defense. They're going to do things to disguise coverages and all that different stuff. And teams are doing that to Trace Jackson Davis, and he's absolutely picking them apart and making the right read every single time, almost every single time. And it's he makes it look so effortless that I fear that like somebody like Malik Murnu might step into those shoes next year and he might not be as good at it right away. And people might be like, oh, what, what's wrong with Malik? But like these reads Trace is making are elite, high-level, um, you know, things that make you the player of the year in college basketball. Because I think four times last night, North Carolina threw a double a double team at Trace, like a hard double. And I think IU scored 2.3 points per possession on those. Um, you know, a couple kickout threes, uh, one dump off to, I believe it was Geronimo for a layup. Um, and then there was one more that I can't remember what happened. But every single time IU scored. And so that throws things off um, right then and there. Uh, for North Carolina because they're like, okay, obviously doublings are not working. So then he gets to be single covered in the post, and then they're going to try to sit on his dominant shoulder when he can go to his right shoulder, left hand. And now he's he's making great reads and spinning back to his right uh, or over his left shoulder, even though sometimes he shoots it with his left hand on that side. He's still countering how the defense is reading him and, and playing him. And so there's just – and sometimes he, he sits and waits. Sometimes he'll back in. Sometimes he'll face up. Um, you know, there's just so many reads that he has to make in such a quick period of time. And I'll be damned. He's not making every single one right. So let's talk about North Carolina early on was choosing to double down from the strong side, the feeder of the basketball. So if I po- throw the ball into the post, my guy was going to go down and they kind of half dug a little bit and was waiting for him to put the ball on that. And, and Indiana had normally sent a, a cutter through and then would space up on the weak side. But Indiana made the adjustment either through scouting, preparing, or early in the game making that decision to keep someone strong side and not cut through. And I think that um, is a great choice. That's, again, another situation. We'll talk coaching at the very end of this segment um, where Hood Shafino hit a three. And there there were some easier kickouts instead of kicking it out always across. uh, But that was interesting. They were doubling down from that strong side. uh, And and that allowed – that's a read. That's an example of what you're talking about here is you're not sure how North Carolina is going to come into post early on until it, it gets in there a couple times, and you're you're going to see a multitude of coverages. But I, I wrote that in my notes that that was interesting, and that's why Hood Shafino was able to score early because he was the one entering the ball. His man was kind of half digging or going hard, and then the kick out, and then he was able to attack a closeout or he was able to pull uh, and, and hit a three. Uh, but your thoughts on how, how you handled that kind of action? Yeah, and I think – I think something that gets lost in all this is I think there's a reason North Carolina did that. And I actually think that reason is how Miller cop has been shooting the ball. And and so, yeah. you know, these things, you know, that Miller cop does three games ago might impact how Indiana plays against North Carolina, which is hard, you know, hard to wrap your mind around sometimes. But if Miller cops not shooting close to 50% from deep, maybe they are sending his guy over to double from the weak side. And then that doesn't leave Jalen Huchifino open or, or Xavier Johnson open or Tamar Bates open on that strong side. But Miller Cobb's been shooting the ball very well. Pretty much the scouting report on him is absolutely don't let him catch and shoot open looks because those are the ones that he's hitting this season. So they're like, okay, we're not going to come off of him. We're going to come from the strong side. And then Indiana counters and says, okay, well, we're going to just leave our guy right there. If you're going to d- double from that strong side, we're not sending that guy through. We're just going to park right there and, and shoot a nice little – 20 foot three point shot that's pretty much wide open and they hit two of them. And so those little subtleties I think are so important. 
That that's a great point too. Like we get so enamored with stats, and and the guy who scored the most points, got the most rebounds, played the best. But you can be effective as a teammate by being a threat. We talked a lot about it spacing. We're going to talk about spacing coming up. Uh, but Miller Cop is spacing the floor by keeping a defender, and then they had to change their post coverage, which then helps TJD with his reads at 15, 20 seconds, and this is how it all fits uh, at this at this level. So I'd like to talk about the ice screen, uh, how they ice a screen. North Carolina was not wanting uh, the middle ball screen to take action. They wanted to keep it on a side. That's what they mean. we mean by icing a ball screen. So they were forcing the ball handler to reject the ball screen or not take the ball screen. And normally what you like to do with that is have a five who pops. Well, we don't really have a five that that is a three-point threat, so you had to do some different things. One of the things I think you saw was a straight-line drive that our guards were really good and quick enough to beat that guard off the bounce straight to the rim. Hood Shafino got a, a left-handed layup. Uh, Trey Galloway did it once and was able to hit the roll because it took the, the post player uh, over by just straight-line driving uh, that ice. And, and really, they don't square up the ball handler. They really want to influence it towards the baseline, which gives a good, quick guard an opportunity to make that first initial dribble and get somewhere. And that's where you saw a lot of times, uh, you know, I call it snake dribble, where the point guard would get in there and get the guy on his hip and then slow down and back up. And and it looks a little discombobulated uh, to to the normal fan, I think. But that's what you instruct someone to get them on your backside, maybe hit a floater, maybe force the post player to come up, and then you can dump it to the big. I thought Indiana handled the ice screen. They even did some rescreening. Um, to to do that, but the straight line attack shows you how quick uh, our guards are, including Trey Galloway, uh, being able to do that straight line drive. Your thoughts on how Indiana handled UNC's uh, icing the ball screen? Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome to see, and, and I I think I have it clipped five different times. They got a straight line drive to the hoop uh, in that ice coverage, and I think what makes that ice coverage or that straight line drive so effective is Trace constantly remaining in the window to receive a dump off in that straight line drive because that then the big can't commit to just taking away Xavier Johnson or Galen Huchifino because then they're able to dump uh, to them. So I think that was huge too, was Trace also maintaining uh, the proper spacing and, and being in proper position to where he can get that dump off on those straight line drives if that big ever wants to fully commit. And that was kind Who's of in that corner? It, was that a strong side ice where there was a shooter in the corner, or was that an empty, what, what I call an empty, where the ball screen's just happening with the big and the guard? So when he's straight line driving, is there someone not helping off? A lot of teams will not help off the strong side corner on those straight line drives. Quick. I, can't, yeah, so I it, can't remember. It, I thought there was someone in the corner. Cop was in the corner. So you're not yep. leaving Cop. That's another example of that opened up that straight line drive. They don't want TJD to get to the rim. They don't want – cop to have a catch and shoot three that leaves a window a lane for your quick guards and that's that's something too that we got to give miller cop credit for because he didn't really have a lot of stats last night but he took defense away which allowed other players so let's talk spacing you you brought it up uh, you brought spacing and, and you commented to me earlier today that you thought indiana spacing has been been outstanding so how are they spacing the floor and why is it working yeah i think the biggest thing the biggest shift that we've seen from last season is is first of all in the ball screens um you know they liked they like to put somebody on the strong side like 
say they're running a middle ball screen to the right side, they would park Race Thompson kind of in that dunker spot on the right side, which they still do from time to time, and then they would roll somebody to the left block, which would usually be Trace Jackson Davis. Well, on ball screens this year, they're basically they're leaving that block empty so that X J- Jalen Hutchfino have opportunities to score off of those. You and talked then, a lot about that last year. I that, did. That I was, hated it. That, you hated that, man. I could see almost every film room. Well, I got someone in the dunker spot. Guy has and, nowhere to drive. Yeah, hey, listen and, and to your film room. They've got to. I appreciate Mike Woodson tuning in to <laughs> to my film room. No, but in all honesty, like it made sense. They had Race Thompson and and Trace Jackson Davis were two bigs that really weren't shooting outside. They only had one creator in X. Well, now you've got multiple guys that can create. So you can kick out and then you can attack closeouts with somebody else that can create. And so that that's been huge. But then what I love is this like little two one two action they're running with Trace at the top of the key. You've got X and Jalen Hutchfino up uh, higher up, like kind of lane line extended, but maybe 25 feet up. And then you've got two guys in the corner and it's just wide open spaces and they're throwing it to Trace and they're just playing off of him. They're Xing off of him. Every once in a while, Trace will just catch and go, and he's got space to operate in the middle of the floor. Um, you know, they've run a couple of nice sets out of that action now, um, where they get Trace on a, a cross screen, get into the, his favorite block. So that it's just it's it's been so nice to see. And then they run that little UCLA just read and react. Uh, you're gonna see you see Trace Jackson Davis come up, set the UCLA screen. They throw to Trace, and then they play off of him from there. If he dribbles right, they're gonna go set a stagger away. If he dribbles left, it's a dribble handoff, and to me, that's been some of their best offense is just yep. read and react. It's not set-based. It's just taking what the defense gives you. And so so for those been, of you who might be wondering with our terminology, we get talking terminology. Let's explain <laughs> a little bit. A UCLA screen is a back screen where the post comes up from the low block to the elbow and a guard has entered it into a wing and then the point guard comes off a back screen of the big like TJD and then TJD will step out and get a catch just above the elbow. So we've talked a lot about getting uh, TJD catches at the elbow. That's one way you can set a screen. they got to guard that back screen action. Then TJD catches it, and then you can play from there. He either drives or, or passes into a ball screen or chases those things. So when we say UCLA screen, that is a back screen up the lane from a post player for a perimeter, and then that post player usually steps out, catches a ball, and then depending on where the ball goes, uh, a, a certain a certain action on that. So um, – that that's good stuff. I mean, you can run so much stuff. You can run, you know, uh, reverse middle roll and replace out of that. You can reverse it and and screen away all, all kinds of all kinds of things of that. So I, I think the offense is a lot better. Uh, the players understand it. The players have a little more freedom. Uh, shooting is still always going to be the issue. We didn't need the three last night because we got a lot of transition points. I think it was seventeen transition. Uh, points or points in transition and that made up for any of the missed shots and for me it's just there's a couple open threes that I thought were good that if they go down this is a 20 point game like it should have been I think Indiana was 20 points better than North Carolina the only reason it was 12 is because Geronimo had a nice three Uh, and you're not going to make every open three right coach but it seems like Indiana misses its fair share of open threes. Contested threes or late shot clock threes are, are going to go 30 35% of the time. Right. But if you're wide open, that's got to go 60% of the time, 50 60% of the time if you're going to really be a good team. And it's just still an area that um, I, I thought Tamar had an open one that didn't go down. Um, you know, so 
I know they're working on it. In pregame, they're working on it seriously. So I, I'm not here to be critical by any any means, but uh, I don't know what they ended up, 22%, 23%. Um, that, that, and just the, the amount of times where you get great looks and it doesn't go down is almost an opposite motivational thing. It's like everyone gets, oh, up in the stand, and then it, you, you miss. Uh, it just deflates. <laughs> yeah, and, and I know that comes and goes in games, So, um, but, but something – uh, any thoughts on on the shots we're taking? Shot selection threes. Yeah, I mean, I think the so- shot selection has been key to the season. I think that you know haven't been forcing the issue um, by any means. Um, you know what? I guess what I at least appreciate about IU is you look at North Carolina's misses versus Indiana's misses. At least, <laughs> I mean, Nance had some ugly ones last night that didn't even hit the rim or. You know, Tamar Bates had one that was in and out. Xavier had one that was in and out. Um, you know, if, if those two are in, you're looking at, what, six for 13 instead of four for 13, and then you're looking at almost 50%. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I want to see it improve. I know they're working to improve it. I think they're getting good looks, and they're generating good offense, which is what's most important to me. Like like you said, last season, a lot of those three-pointers, they, were, they weren't even shooting good looks. Um, or they were guys that shouldn't be taking them or taking the right. majority of them, uh, you know, things like that. That's, that hasn't been the case this season. So I'm not I'm not incredibly concerned about it because of the looks that are being generated and, and Indiana still operating at a top 20 offensive efficiency currently. Um, but I do think that at some point this season, it's probably going to come down to Indiana's got to make a couple shots from distance to win a game or two, and that's going to be important. So let's talk about coaching. I think Coach Woodson's having a great – great run this season not that I'm in any position to really evaluate coach Woodson but that's what we do here on the assembly call I thought there were some key things uh last night uh, that and, and all season he's used timeouts well I, I like when I'm sitting up there and I'm like they need to get into the post and the next thing you know they get it into the post so it just makes me feel good like I'm I'm thinking at a little bit higher level than, than, than normal. But I think he's really got his thumb on the team a little bit more and understanding, hey, they've been a little loose. Let's go to our, our, our main guy. Um, you know, so – but I thought the first thing that I'd like to talk about is how he handled the, the, the fouling, the, the post-foul trouble, I thought was remarkable to get through that. And we didn't have anyone who, got, who fouled out got disqualified. And I, I marked down that at the 428 mark, Indiana was up four or five – and both of their starting posts had two fouls and went to the bench. And I thought, man, this is a key moment. And that's right when that defensive explosion, fast break, Trey Galloway, the bench really um, did a good job. Geronimo picks up three uh, before the half, but he comes back with race. I thought that was just um, remarkable. And always when you make the decisions and it works out, it's remarkable. And if, it, if you make those decisions and it doesn't, we're going to be critical. But I, I like the way he's subbing. You got a couple starters with uh, some bench players at time. At most, you have four subs with a, a point guard who's running the show or four subs with uh, TJD. I, I just think his use of personnel has been outstanding this year, especially last night. I agree. And I think it's I think it's kind of funny how he uh, uses Malik with in terms of two-foul participation versus uh, a race or something like that. Like in the Xavier game, he basically let Malik play with four fouls from like seven minutes on. Um, last night Malik picked up his second, he let him play And you know, it's a fairly small sample size. We only have one season to look at, but Mike Woodson does not like to play guys with two fouls in the first half His two foul participation on Kim Palm, I think was in the three hundreds last season. 
this season he hadn't done it at all until last night. But I think it's funny because he like he he lets Malik play because he trusts that if he gets in foul trouble or, or he fouls out, Race Thompson's gonna be able to step in and and you don't miss a beat, which is is not necessarily something we had last season. And like you said, it's that trust that next guy up, next man up. And like you said, managing that last night is, is difficult because um, you know, at one point Trace picked up a second. He's yelling, "Don't take me out! Don't take me out! Don't take me out!" And Woody's like, "No, you're coming out. Like, yeah. we, you can't get your third foul right now." Um, which I, I appreciate too. Like, you know, you, you trust your your best player and your leader, but at the end of the day, you call the shots. And you're like, "No, nah, right? Come sit down." <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. His his rotations have been great. Um, you know, the one thing I was worried about, and I think a lot of people worried about, was kind of those line shift subs where it's a full yeah. bench unit. There's I don't I can't remember a time where at least a crucial time in a game this season where one of Jalen Hutchfino or Xavier Johnson wasn't on the floor. And that's right. critical for guys that can Very. create and, and run the offense. And to me, if it's one of those and then any mixture of, of guys off the bench and starters, I feel comfortable. And that's not something I could say last season when some of those big uh, sub shifts were happening. Right. I, I, again, I feel very comfortable um, with, with that as well. And the big thing for me in the offseason was I know he loves to give freedom to his players and trust his players, and at times he let X call offense and all of that. And you want to do that some, but I thought that was a little too NBA. And I think he's he's got his thumb on this a little bit more because there are times when the offense kind of gets into a, you know, a hurried, uh, people taking bad shots. I see him doing a lot more coaching. Uh, of offensive stuff, uh, especially with his young guys. But I see him calling plays more, sets, or or at least actions to get the ball where he wants to go at critical times. And it usually is when you need a shot, go to Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, and I thought they run their set play coming out of halftime with, with the little rub screen. You've diagrammed this in the film room too, the little rub screen with the cross screen, perimeter cross screen for TJD, enter it to the right side and dump it in. North Carolina was ready for it. But I thought the ball went into TJD two or three times early in the second half and kind of set the tone. We're in the lead. You cut it down to six. Uh, and, and I think that was key because uh, TJD got going. Uh, and I think there have been appropriate times all season where he said, no, nah, get that ball inside. I know we can run the pick and roll. I know we can drive and kick. But let's get that ball inside. And I just think he has a better feel for this team, probably because of better players all the way around. But I think he's really taken some time to think about how to be better himself with and, and that offensive sequence of, of when to call some action as opposed to just letting people play themselves out of poor play has been impressive. Yeah, and I think it it, it was going to take him some time to get comfortable to the college game because you even mentioned his timeout usage last year. Sometimes you would call one year just like, that's kind of odd, you know. Like that was an odd timing of a of a timeout. You know, media timeouts coming up in like three seconds. Why do you call that? Um, I think he's just gotten much more comfortable with the college game, and we knew that was going to be take some time and a shift. But I mean, I've got nothing but praise for for Woody on, on how he's managed his ball club, as he would say, this season because <laughs> it's been it's been really good and it's been fun to see. Yeah. Well, again, uh, these are all good points. It, staying in the coach Woodson speak. Um, 
Yeah, and I, I like this answer, too, uh, in the press conference. And, and the question from the reporter was, a couple of weeks ago you said to be patient with Jalen, a performance like tonight. Was this the kind of night you were waiting for? And Coach responded, quote, Jalen, as far as I'm concerned, has been solid ever since I got him. I have no complaints with Jalen Shafino. He tries to do all the right things, the winning things, to help you win. He's great off the court, just a good young man. I'm pleased with how he's been playing. You guys might not be, but I'm happy as hell how he's been playing. Uh, those are, th- those are ways to handle things. And sometimes that, that was a good reminder for me too, is, is sometimes I love analyzing the game, but sometimes we as fans and, and even coaches who are fans overanalyze, uh, every, uh, possession and don't see the total value. And so I would urge all of our listeners to, to look at the big picture sometimes, just as we learned tonight, Tony made a great point about Miller cop and spacing and yes, he didn't score. It uh, uh, wasn't big on the stat sheet, but he had a role uh, in that game. Uh, that that's a reminder to all of us that Coach Woodson really knows his guys. And from one game to another, or a segment of play, we need to look at the bigger picture and the, and the total picture. But I, I think uh, you know, kudos to uh, uh, Coach um, Woodson for for that uh, information. Yeah. So I agree. And sometimes you can you can do paralysis by analysis and, you know, you can just start looking at every little number and convince yourself of a narrative you've already preconceived. Um, You know, you can find it. You can find a number basically to fit any sort of narrative that you've got. And, you know, it's sometimes you just need to take that step back and look at it from a 40,000 foot view and and recognize the, um, you know, the the what you've got and the, the positives that, that come from those things. And like you said, with Jalen Huchifino, like he brought so many positives to this team and, you know, last night he had points, but that's not everything that he brings to the game. And I think that was kind of the point that Mike Woodson was making. And, and to have that vote of confidence from your, you know, the man in charge as a young freshman coming off the biggest game so far, like that's huge. Absolutely. So, It was a great night uh, for the Hoosiers on the court. Uh, We tried to break it down a little bit for you, but stay with us as we answer your questions next on Assembly Call Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. All right, welcome back uh, to Assembly Call Radio. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm joined with uh, Coach Adranya, uh, and we just got done talking about Indiana, North Carolina. We nerded out, uh, geeked out in our basketball talk, uh, and we tried to keep it. I, I think that was about 40 minutes uh, of talk. We could have gone for two more hours, uh, but uh, that, that's just really good stuff, Coach. Thank you. It's now time for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com backslash community. So our, our first one is, is from a- Andrew Kenley. Kenley, I, I apologize uh, if I did not pronounce that right, Andrew. Um, and he says, here's a real simple one. If fully healthy, should Trey Galloway be a starter? I'll throw that to you first. Yeah, I mean, I think you could start him. Like, I, you know, I don't – but at the same time, I like the energy that he brings off the bench. Um, you know, I like that he can finish games. Um, I like that he can be somebody off the bench to be a creator. If, if, uh, Xavier or, um, uh, why Jalen Hutchifino aren't, uh, you know, aren't, are coming out. One of the two's coming out and he can still be a creator. He, you know, I just, I think he certainly could start, but should to me is, is probably going too far. Um, just because, you know, Miller Cobb brings something a little different to that starting lineup in terms of shooting and spacing and, and things like that to where, especially right now, I wouldn't rock the boat where when you're having success. But I, I certainly think he's capable of being a starter. I, I think that's a great way to answer it. Um, Trey Galloway brings a lot, and especially if he can hit shots. But he hit had 11 points last night, had some nice runners, uh, was able to get out on the break, uh, and he's able to guard. Um, so it's easy to say should uh, you know I heard it last night from from some people in the media room should he be playing over Miller Cop? Um, maybe technically, like you, you said, could from a basketball standpoint, yes. But sometimes it's your closers that matter, not your starters that matter. And there's some chemistry issues. Like I think Miller Cop is a great teammate, just a fantastic teammate. Um, a little biased. He came and sat right next to me. Uh, I know some of you don't like his TikToks and all that, but he was filming that the words, his fellow players. But some of that locker room stuff is important. Uh, and he does space the floor, as we talked about, uh, drawing the defense that allows TJD uh, to do some things. Uh, so I think it's better for Trey to get maybe more minutes but cut, get those off the bench. And I have to give Miller Cop a lot of credit last night. I thought he, defensively he fights like hell uh, defensively. He may not be able to guard this dribble. They isoed him early in the second half and drove the lane, but he hustled and he, he somehow the shot was missed. And that's what air you balls. do <laughs> airball that layup right off the yeah. left wing uh, to start the second half. So, um, you know, I'm coming around to appreciate Miller a, a little bit more because you got to look at the intangibles with Miller and, and there, there is uh, a lot to who you start, not, not making a big deal uh, about that and not rewarding the player who played best the game before with a start. Um, there's much more to managing a team, uh, Coach, I think, than, than necessarily playing that game. It, maybe if there's a string of games or a certain matchup or something, you, you might choose to do it. But I've always tried to stay stable 
um, with our starting lineups until injury or something major needed to make the move, and then you got to communicate it so that it is not a, a detriment. Um, so I would say no to Trey Galloway starting, but I would say yes to more Trey Galloway minutes. <laughs> I guess right. that's that, that's where that's that's where I'm at. Um, Chris from IU Artifacts uh, says, and this is a great question: What makes the defense under Woodson so much more effective than the pack line defense that Archie Miller implemented? Is it personnel or is it strategy? Your your initial thoughts on on why Woody's come in and been able to play defense uh, at a higher level than than the pack line? Yeah, I mean, I think it's attention to detail more than, than anything because honestly, the the scheme of what they do is is a very much like a pack line scheme. I mean, I, you, I'm glad you said that because because <laughs> their gap control and their yeah. tagging off the middle ball screen is pack line principles. Uh, yep. Woody just doesn't talk and call it the pack line. Go ahead. Exactly. No, I mean that's where I am with it. I think attention to detail is is far greater, and I think that. Um, you know, there, there's wrinkles here and there, and their, their ball screen coverage is a bit different. They implemented some more things from the pro game and stuff, like with drops and things like that. But And your three-man switching. Yep, exactly. Yeah, the switching is big. Yeah, um, You yeah. know, your one through three can switch, and then your four and your five can switch. And then I think getting creative, though, with your scheme based on who your opponent is has also been something that Archie didn't deviate. You knew what coverage was going to be. You knew exactly how they were going to play that defense, no matter who the opponent was. Um, you know, and sometimes they sat in gaps too deep and gave up a bunch of three pointers um, and things like that. Where I think there's much more attention to detail on who the opponent is and catering the defense to that opponent, which I think is why you see more effective results from this Indiana team under Mike Woodson than we did with Archie. I I, I agree. I will add. I think there's more attention to the rotations on weak side which is an NBA thing. If you watch a lot of NBA, which I don't, but when I do come tournament time, man, they rotate like crazy on backsides to cover shooters and cut off drives. And, you know, regardless of what people say, they play defense in the NBA. I mean, they just get after it. But a lot of it is heavy rotations. And I know Golden State uh, did a lot of that three-man switching on screens to keep a post on a post and certain things like that. So that's where I think the attention to detail. The other thing is what I talked about, ball pressure. I think uh, Woodson's big on disrupting the ball handler and being there on catches, which I did not see that emphasis in, in the pack line. But the pack line, uh, because certain coaches run it and then they have success or don't have success or it slows the game down like Bennett at Virginia gets a – a bad uh, reputation, but it's solid defense. It's just where you force the ball. I mean, you still got to have good ball pressure. You got to be in good position. You got to close out well. You got to be able to help the helper. You got to help the helper who helps the helper. You got to crack down block out in every scheme of defense. I think we fans get caught up. We're, we're not happy with Archie. We're glad he's gone. And he ran the pack line, and now Woodson's playing good defense. But this is a lot of pack line. It's yeah. just a, a, a switching thing different here. Uh, those things, which Woodson is doing a lot better than Archie did in the in those principles, um, but it's not heavy denial. It's not uh, you know heavy pressure. Not you know uh, getting out and denying the reversal pass at the point and giving up back cuts. You don't see Indiana do a lot of that. Um, so, um, but yeah, and let's I think- be honest. Archie's defenses weren't bad. Um, you know his 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 bad thing was his offense. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they were Ken Palm top 20 one year, Ken Palm top 30 two other years. I mean, they, they didn't really have a bad defense under Archie. It was offensively, they were really hard to watch sometimes. 
And the ball screen coverage is key, you mentioned too, because they're going over with the with the drop or a flat hedge uh, for the predominant amount of time. I've seen a little bit of switching on certain handoffs and ball screens as we talked about the, the, the triple uh, switching kind of stuff. They've done that effectively at times. But boy, that over, they're just they're just living and dying with those force twos. Um, yep. and, and, and trying to, to do that. That's just strategy. So I think that's the difference in, in, in the defense. Um, Jim Bernstein asked a follow-up to Tony's video on our offensive sets. What additional sets or plays do you anticipate Coach Mike Woodson employing as the season progresses? Yeah. Um, honestly, there's no telling. He's, he's added some he's wrinkles. He's got a book full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, literally, the guy knows – offense he runs some he's run some great atos uh this season which are atos or after timeout plays um and in in our conversation with um coach ya from a couple weeks back he, he noted that woody you know he really takes those atos seriously and he gets guys in good positions um he's run a couple things for for lobs that i really like um you know i think you're gonna see see wrinkles in, in building upon things uh in, in terms of sets and plays but because, like we said, he's got a million of them. Um, you know, I think I, I love his play names too. He's got a Sweet George Brown. He's got Corn Dog. He's got all these different funny play names that are are really funny to uh, to hear what he calls them. But yeah, I mean, more than anything, you know, Coach Yacht told us we're gonna go with what got us here, and that's we're gonna play inside out. We're gonna run things for Trace, and we're gonna let him make decisions with the basketball. And so while we'll see different things here and there. They're going to run stuff to get Trace the ball on the right block. They're going to run stuff to get Xavier Johnson and Jalen Huchifino going downhill and making decisions, and they're going to run ball screen actions. Now, how they get in those actions, that will vary from time to time, but they're going to get guys the ball in places where they're comfortable making plays. And, and to me, that's big because a lot of times you're going to have players that or coaches that they've got a system and they're going to run these plays no matter what their personnel is, and I don't think that's Woody. He's going to run things that um, – get his players in good positions to score the basketball. And so um, I don't know if that completely answers the question, but um, whatever he runs, I, I trust that it'll be good and, and get the players in the right spots. I, I, I want to comment on your uh, ATOs, the timeout. Woodson's just a genius. Um, I like his out-of-bounds plays, but I also like what he does uh, to take advantage. Again, one of those things, if he needs to get the ball in the post, he makes sure he gets it done, runs run something, some actions there. But – I want to ask you this because I forgot to do it on a post game show against um, his buddy Walker, who was he coached at Little Rock, I think, mm -hmm. or was it Little Rock? Sure. I know he had Theus in for one game. Yeah, I think it was Little Rock. Yeah, then they had Thanksgiving the next day. Together. They had Thanksgiving. Well, he was he's coached in the NBA. He came out in a two three zone after a timeout to blow up what Walker was drawing up. Did, yep. Was that right? I, and I yep. came out. They had the ball first possession of the second half. And Woody was in a two-three zone, and I think he was just messing with his buddies. Like, I know you're drawing up something at halftime. I know you're drawing <laughs> up some of this. We don't play two-three zone. We're just going to do it just to mess with you. What, yep. Did I see that right, or did yeah? Was I? I off? think you're absolutely right. No, I think you're absolutely right. This first play of the second half, um, they came out that way, which is yeah. That's just like I can almost see him like looking down the sideline, just grinning. Yeah. Nothing's better, coach, than uh, than a great friend that you're competing against. You want to kick his ass, exactly. <laughs> and, and like when you make a good play call. You just kind of look down, you know, and then afterwards you probably go out and have a beer and talk about it, win or lose. But, you know, you you you, you play those games. You have those little secret things that you know how hard that other guy works. So you throw a little, a little wrinkle. There was a, 
there was a coach. I won't spend too much time on this story, but a great friend of mine, I coached with him for a year in between jobs. Um, we had talked about how to uh, handle this Manchester action at Manchester High School. Uh, it's kind of a little cross-screen action type stuff. So we talked about it, talked about how do you defend it, because we both had to play him. Well, when I played this coach, I inputted that play. And he was so mad because we scored on it. And he looked down, and I can't say live on the air <laughs> what he called me. But we had spent hours trying to help each other defend this other team's action. And I knew it was hard. It was hard to defend. So I put it in, and I scored. Uh, our team scored on it. And uh, he was so mad at me. Uh, it, <laughs> I love it. it. It was it was it was good stuff. All right, last uh, question from Julie Sturgeon: um, What does this win at home over a blue blood team tell us in the crystal ball about the upcoming game with Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse? We can also add uh, Arizona and the Big Ten. What 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 does this mean? Uh, the win uh, against North Carolina. I think it shows you the guys are going to compete and and they're going to give it everything they got for forty minutes, and you're not going to have to worry about effort, attitude, things like that. You know, they control their controllables. Are they going to win every single one of those games? No. Um, but you live with that when the guys are out there competing. Um, and to me, last night was the first time where, you know, I've watched a lot of college basketball this year already and on these teams where I'm looking at the team I use fielding and I'm like, nobody like out athletes us. Nobody, you know, like last year when I watched the Final Four, I'm like, damn, like, these guys are in a different ball ball game than where I use at right now. I I have not seen that this season at all. Um, you know, I think IU is right up there with all the big dogs. And to me, that's what's most exciting about this is like I do think this team, you know, you, you got to get lucky to make a run in March, but I think they have the capability to be able to do that. The, the word in the community a little bit, and the question was, do you trust uh, this team? When was the last team, uh, Indiana team, that you trust? And, and I don't know that it's completely at that level yet. But I like that question because I do trust this team to show up every night. I, I trust this team to defend. I, I trust Coach Woodson to put them in a position to win. And, and they will have their setbacks. I mean, a tough game Saturday against Rutgers. Uh, tough place at Jersey Mike's. Uh, to, to play and and you're going to have uh, some ups and downs when you start sniffing yourself a little bit and feeling good uh, and, and someone catches you up it almost happened to Purdue uh, on their trip down to Florida State after their successful weekend but this is back to a situation where I expect Indiana to compete against Kansas uh, and go in and have a chance to win the game I, I expect them to go to Las Vegas and have a chance to win against a top five team against Arizona there is no one on the schedule that intimidates me as a fan with the guys that I'm cheering for uh, I, I just really have a level of trust that this program is back uh, I hate saying that it's not we're back t-shirts or anything like that um, but it is back to a, a position of comfort where, okay, we're pretty good, and it's going to take a great effort or something for us to take a step backwards to beat. It's not, you know, it's not one of those where you put out your best effort and you're going to get beat because you have so many holes on the bench or, or, or wherever else. So I'm feeling comfortable. Coach, any last thoughts about uh, what we saw this week and, and how uh, Indiana's doing before we, we call it a night? No, I'm I'm just excited about where this team's at, and you know I just I can't say it enough. You know, I've said it a million times already, but I just I loved the effort and the energy that the team played has played with thus far. Um, you know they're they're kind of halfway through this non-conference uh, big games, if you will, with you know Xavier and North Carolina being two and zero. 
but really, like you said, Rutgers at Rutgers is always tough. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I, has Trace Jackson Davis ever beaten Rutgers? I know he hasn't beaten him at Rutgers. Yeah. I, I'm, it might be total. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know that he time. has beaten him. Um, but you I know, know, we lost to him know, last but, year. And, and oh. you know, we we mentioned that clip of uh, Geo Baker kind of saying nobody's scared of Indiana, and could that be blackboard material and stuff like that? I think it's blackboard material in a way of not like, not of like, um, hey, these guys are are speaking falsehoods about you. It's more so of, hey, here's what these guys think about you because you haven't beat them at their yeah. place in five years. You know, it's like, it's more of a challenge of like, Hey, he's kind of right. <laughs> you know, like that to me is the blackboard material of that. Not like a, a disrespect thing. It's more of like, he's right. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. You, you haven't beat him. So <laughs> anyway, coach, thanks. It's just great to, to talk it uh, X's and O's and just basketball in general. We're going to be doing some collective stuff uh, for the community. So if you're not a, a member of the community, join, you can join and and subscribe to Tony's film room, which he does a great job with scouting reports and game clips. And then I have a coach's corner, which is uh, anywhere from five minutes to half hour shows. But coach and 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 Coach Marlowe and 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 Bob Moats and and our young blood uh, uh, Josh Pose, uh, we're trying to break him into the business. We're going to have a variety of of conversations about college basketball in general, maybe some X and O conversations. So be looking for that uh, in our community. But coach, I can't. Uh, I can't thank you enough for taking time, uh, and I uh, look forward to uh, watching and talking more basketball with you. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. Um, you know, these, these X's and O's sessions that I always get so excited when Jared asks if we can do them. Um, and so it's always a pleasure chatting with you, Coach. It's, it's so much fun. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. Uh, I guess that'll do it uh, for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. Until then, take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Catch me if you can, Coach T. All right, Mrs. T. <laughs> if I have to. <laughs> I uh, I have a confession. I, I was given a word to use tonight. Oh, no. You didn't get it in? <laughs> I did. What was <laughs> any, the any word? Guesses? It was corn dog. Um, <laughs> corn dog. When, I did remember you said that. When did, when did you say that? <laughs> I said Woody had weird play names like Sweet George Brown and Corn Dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who gave you that in. idea? Uh, just a buddy of mine that listens to the show. Oh, that's awesome. That that is awesome. Those are little. I was things. trying to figure out how to work it in. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that one, but I made it without just <laughs> I being thought, an idiot. <laughs> no, it, it kind of just. I thought, okay, he knows the he knows the play calls, <laughs> Corn Dog, because we all done it. Oh, we've yeah. all had we've all had. Um, you know, plays or acronyms for plays or, or whatever, um, you know, as coaches. So I didn't doubt that for, for one bit. That was great. Smooth. Your, your buddy owes you a case of beer or some whiskey or something for, for being smooth and doing that. So, so the guys ought to, ought to know, hopefully they, they will get wind of that, that, uh, their, uh, you know, stick now in the post game is now gone on to assembly call, assembly call radio. <laughs> That's, that is great. I tell you, it that is, is the funniest stuff. It, it is. is funny, and that's team building, 
And, and those are little things, you know. Um, I know the Yankees won and hated each other, and there's all kinds of, uh, of, of examples of teams that didn't get along that were successful. But if you get along – so there's a guy, Miller Cop, who starts, doesn't get a lot of opportunities, doesn't stuff the stat sheet, doesn't get the minutes that maybe he thought in transferring to Indiana, but is there supporting his teammates, making people laugh, um, you know, do, doing those things. Uh, you know, again, he sat down next to me. He goes, here it comes. He was hitting me, and, and, and <laughs> that, it, it was just, you know – one, I'm supposed to be a reporter there, and all of a sudden I got into fan stage, right? Like right. Uh, Miller Cop, IU players sitting right next to me talking to me. Let me take a picture. You know, I'm thinking he's probably thinking this old dude is a weirdo, but I am. I love but it. That, that is yeah, so good. It's fun. Yeah, they're, they're fun. Like, they're, they're just fun. You know, it's fun to follow them, those guys. And the behind-the-scenes stuff is cool to see because sometimes yeah. you forget that they're humans and kids. You know, they're college students. They're having a good time. Um, and when you win, it's a little bit more fun. And one other thing we didn't really know, but I thought was cool last night was how many players came back from several different right. areas um, and, and fully embraced by Woody and things like that. Like that was really neat. Yeah, it was just it was just a, a, a great night. And then Indiana, to be honest, all the kumbaya stuff were thrown out. They've got to back it up. I mean, all that good vibes can go out the window if you go and lay an egg uh, at, at Jersey Mike's and and don't play well and then come back and you got a Nebraska. Um, I don't see that happening too often it'll probably happen once or twice a year where the performance isn't that great but every game you have to justify your resume and and where you're at if you want to win a big 10 championship and cut down some net and then get a good seed in the NCAA tournament you know you don't arrive because you're playing uh you beat North Carolina and, and call it quits uh, and when we know this too coach uh, in the teams that we've coached it's hard sometimes after a big win it's harder really it's hard. just harder it makes no sense like the North Carolina players are better than Rutgers. So, on paper, it makes no sense that you, that this game is going to be a struggle. But on the road is always more difficult. And then after a big win, you beat your rival. Who's your rival at Southport? Perry Meridian. So, They're Perry Meridian. The same, yep. Did you play them on a Friday night and have a Saturday night? Or did you did you have a – how, how did that break them, it? We always played the night before Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, big rival Yeah. But then we would always have a Saturday game after that that was harder to get up for. Right. You had that Thanksgiving day yep. off, practice in the morning on Friday or in the yep. afternoon, something out of the ordinary, right? Yep. Those are all little intangible things that, that coaching staffs have to deal with. Uh, and we are dealing with 18 to 23-year-old, you know, sometimes <laughs> even dealing with pros. Or it's yep. a, At least it's not a noon game. Like those right. noon games, man, those things are just – sometimes those are a toss-up in itself. Well, Kansas is 11 in the morning, right? Because yep. isn't Kansas on central time? Yep. So that will be 11, to 11 o'clock local. But if you can't get up for playing in Fog Allen, yeah, then there's I don't see that again. I I'm at a level of comfort, yep. uh, coach with um absolutely with this. I wasn't there this summer. I had I, I'm going to be honest. I had some doubts about you know the substitution and what coach was going to do. I had some doubts. I wasn't sure the freshman. I I was excited about him, but, but seeing them in person and on, on, in games has given me a lot of comfort. Yep, that, I'm the exact um, same way. You know, it, it's it's just back to to doing some some good things. So. Um. Yeah. Word, word. You got your buddy. That is so. That, that just made my day. <laughs> hey, again, Chat Mop. Thanks for being here. Um, sorry for the. I I didn't play the music for an ad read in segment two. Like I don't know what's happening, Coach, with with me and the soundboard stuff. But um, I. It's I need, tough when there's only two people though, because you're you're 
as soon as I'm done talking, you got you're talking. You're also trying to run the soundboard. And no, no excuses. Tough. I'm not an excuse guy, uh, <laughs> coach. I never was as a player, or as a coach. But there are reasons, right? <laughs> exactly. Th- there are reasons. There's a lot of buttons to push, and there's a three man crew. You got about three or four minutes, yep. five minutes to to kind of look at and do stuff. But man, this is good. Uh, I'll I'll be in touch with you again. Check out our top 25 poll. It comes out every Monday. Uh, Coach is part of that. We have a five-man crew here. I like doing that. It gives you just a little bit of um, thanks, Charlie Trump. It's age, Coach. Thanks. Appreciate it. I think you're right. Man, there's so much, Charlie, I can go into about getting old, man. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling a, a little bit here. but um, So check out that. A lot of good stuff in the community. Tell your friends about it. Uh, we do have it paid because we want to keep out uh, some of those Purdue trolls and other people that – that don't want to take uh, Indiana basketball seriously. But uh, I, I think it's it's one of the things I'm on all the time looking for the stuff that Coach does with his film room and, and some other other things as well. So give us a, a shout-out there. And if you have any suggestions. free trial right now, too. Yes. That's so, I mean, um, about as good of a deal as you can get. So any ideas? You want to, you want us to talk about this kind of thing, a flare screen or, or how someone's doing that? We can – I can throw a five-minute video together uh, rather quickly. Tony's an expert at cutting video and doing stuff like that, too. We really want to be here for for you guys. You guys make it uh, so special for us. Again, congratulations to the women, uh, women's team, uh, to the men's team. It, it's just a, a solid uh, start to, to basketball. So, All right, Coach, uh, call it a night. To try to get some sleep after both of us didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night um, and, and get to refresh for, for the weekend. Absolutely. Take care, Coach. All right, we'll see you. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented... They'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.